letter eight part two of letters on demonology and witchcraft by sir walter scott this librivox recording is in the public domain read by dion gines salt lake city utah about sixteen thirty four a boy called edmund robinson whose father a very poor man dwelt in pendle forest the scene of the alleged witching declared that while gathering bullies wild plums perhaps in one of the glades of the forest he saw two greyhounds which he imagined to belong to gentlemen in that neighbourhood the boy reported that seeing nobody following them he proposed to have a course but though a hare was started the dogs refused to run on this young robinson was about to punish them with a switch when one dame dickinson a neighbor's wife started up instead of the one greyhound a little boy instead of the other the witness averred that mother dickinson offered him money to conceal what he had seen which he refused saying nay thou art a witch apparently she was determined he should have full evidence of the truth of what he said for like the magician queen in the arabian tales she pulled out of her pocket a bridle and shook it over the head of the boy who had so lately represented the other greyhound he was directly changed into a horse mother dickinson mounted and took robinson before her they then rode to a large house or barn called ourston into which edmund robinson entered with others he there saw six or seven persons pulling at halters from which as they pulled them meat ready dressed came flying in quantities together with lumps of butter porringers of milk and whatever else might in the boy's fancy complete a rustic feast he declared that while engaged in the charm they made such ugly faces and looked so fiendish that he was frightened there was more to the same purpose as the boys having seen one of these hags sitting half-way up his father's chimney and some such goodly matter but it ended in near a score of persons being committed to prison and the consequence was that young robinson was carried from church to church in the neighbourhood that he might recognise the faces of any persons he had seen at the rendezvous of witches old robinson who had been an evidence against the former witches in sixteen thirteen went along with his son and knew doubtless how to make his journey profitable and his son probably took care to recognize none who might make a handsome consideration this boy says webster was brought into the church at kildwick a parish church where i being then curate there was preaching at the time to look about him which made some little disturbance for the time after prayers mr webster sought and found the boy and two very unlikely persons who says he did conduct him and manage the business i did desire some discourse with the boy in private but that they utterly denied in the presence of a great many many people i took the boy near me and said good boy tell me truly and in earnest didst thou hear and see such strange things of the motions of the witches as many do report that thou didst relate or did not some person teach thee to say such things of thyself but the two men did pluck the boy from me and said he had been examined by two able justices of peace and they never asked him such a question to whom i replied the persons accused had the more wrong the boy afterwards acknowledged 
in his more advanced years that he was instructed and suborned to swear these things against the accused persons by his father and others and was heard often to confess that on the day which he pretended to see the said witches at the house or barn he was gathering plums in a neighbor's orchard there was now approaching a time when the law against witchcraft sufficiently bloody in itself was to be pushed to more violent extremities than the quiet scepticism of the church of england clergy gave way to the great civil war had been preceded and anticipated by the fierce disputes of the ecclesiastical parties the rash and ill-judged attempt to enforce upon the scottish a compliance with the government and ceremonies of the high church divines and the severe prosecutions in the star chamber and prerogative courts had given the presbyterian system for a season a great degree of popularity in england and as the king's party declined during the civil war and the state of church government was altered the influence of the calvinistic divines increased with much strict morality and pure practice of religion it is to be regretted these were still marked by unhesitating belief in the existence of sorcery and a keen desire to extend and enforce the legal penalties against it weir has considered the clergy of every sect as being too eager in this species of persecution ad gravum hanc impietatum conevant theologi plerice omnis but it is not to be denied that the presbyterian ecclesiastics who in scotland were often appointed by the privy council commissioners for the trial of witchcraft evinced a very extraordinary degree of credulity in such cases and that the temporary superiority of the same sect in england was marked by enormous cruelties of this kind to this general error we must impute the misfortune that good men such as calumny and baxter should have countenanced or defended such proceedings as those of the impudent and cruel wretch called matthew hopkins who in those unsettled times when men did what seemed good in their own eyes assumed the title of witch-finder general and travelling through the counties of essex sussex norfolk and huntingdon pretended to discover witches superintending their examination by the most unheard-of tortures and compelling forlorn and miserable wretches to admit and confess matters equally absurd and impossible the issue of which was the forfeiture of their lives before examining these cases more minutely i will quote baxter's own words for no one can have less desire to wrong a devout and conscientious man such as that divine most unquestionably was though borne aside on this occasion by prejudice and credulity the hanging of a great number of witches in sixteen forty five and sixteen forty six is famously known mr calamy went along with the judges on the circuit to hear their confessions and see there was no fraud or wrong done them i spoke with many understanding pious learned and credible persons that lived in the counties and some that went to them in the prisons and heard their sad confessions among the rest an old reading parson named lois not far from framlingham was one that was hanged who confessed that he had two imps and that one of them was always putting him upon doing mischief and he being near the sea as he saw a ship under sail it moved him to send it to sink the ship and he consented and saw the ship sink before them mr baxter passes on to another story of a mother who gave her child an imp like a mole and told her to keep it in a can 
near the fire and she would never want and more such stuff as nursery-maids tell froward children to keep them quiet it is remarkable that in this passage baxter names the witch-finder general rather slightly as one hopkins and without doing him the justice due to one who had discovered more than one hundred witches and brought them to confessions which that good man received as indubitable perhaps the learned divine was one of those who believed that the witch-finder general had cheated the devil out of a certain memorandum-book in which satan for the benefit of his memory certainly had entered all the witches names in england and that hopkins availed himself of this record it may be noticed that times of misrule and violence seem to create individuals fitted to take advantage from them and having a character suited to the seasons which raise them into notice and action just as a blight on any tree or vegetable calls to life a peculiar insect to feed upon and enjoy the decay which it has produced a monster like hopkins could only have existed during the confusion of civil dissension he was perhaps a native of manningtree in essex at any rate he resided there in the year sixteen forty four when an epidemic outcry of witchcraft arose in that town upon this occasion he had made himself busy and affecting more zeal and knowledge than other men learned his trade of a witch-finder as he pretends from experiment he was afterwards permitted to perform it as a legal profession and moved from one place to another with an assistant named stern and a female in his defence against an accusation of fleecing the country he declares his regular charge was twenty shillings a town including charges of living and journeying thither and back again with his assistance he also affirms that he went nowhere unless called and invited his principal mode of discovery was to strip the accused persons naked and thrust pins into various parts of their body to discover the witch's mark which was supposed to be inflicted by the devil as a sign of his sovereignty and at which she was also said to suckle her imps he also practised and stoutly defended the trial by swimming when the suspected person was wrapped in a sheet having the great toes and thumbs tied together and so dragged through a pond or river if she sank it was received in favour of the accused but if the body floated which must have occurred ten times for once if it was placed with care on the surface of the water the accused was condemned on the principle of king james who in treating of this mode of trial lays down that as witches have renounced their baptism so it is just that the element through which the holy rite is enforced should reject them which is a figure of speech and no argument it was hopkins custom to keep the poor wretches waking in order to prevent them from having encouragement from the devil and doubtless to put infirm terrified overwatched persons in the next state to absolute madness and for the same purpose they were dragged about by their keepers till extreme weariness and the pain of blistered feet might form additional inducements to confession hopkins confesses these last practices of keeping the accused persons waking and forcing them to walk for the same purpose had been originally used by him but as his tract is a professed answer to charges of cruelty and oppression he affirms that both practices were then disused and that they had not of late been resorted to the boast of the english nation is a manly independence and common sense which will not long permit the license of tyranny or oppression on the meanest 
and most obscure sufferers many clergymen and gentlemen made head against the practices of this cruel oppressor of the defenceless and it required courage to do so when such an unscrupulous villain had so much interest mr gall a clergyman of houghton in huntingdonshire had the courage to appear in print on the weaker side and hopkins in consequence assumed the assurance to write to some functionaries of the place the following letter which is an admirable medley of impudence bullying and cowardice my service to your worship presented i have this day received a letter to come to a town called great houghton to search for evil disposed persons called witches though i hear your minister is far against us through ignorance i intend to come god willing the sooner to hear his singular judgment in the behalf of such parties i have known a minister in suffolk as much against this discovery in a pulpit and forced to recant it by the committee in the same place i much marvel such evil men should have any much more any of the clergy who should daily speak terror to convince such offenders stand up to take their parts against such as are complainants for the king and sufferers themselves with their families and estates i intend to give your town a visit suddenly i will come to kimbolton this week and it will be ten to one but i will come to your town first but i would certainly know before whether your town affords many sticklers for such cattle or is willing to give and allow us good welcome and entertainment as others where i have been else i shall waive your shire not as yet beginning in any part of it myself and betake me to such places where i do and may punish not only without control but with thanks and recompense so i humbly take my leave and rest your servant to be commanded matthew hopkins the sensible and courageous mr gall describes the tortures employed by this fellow as equal to any practised in the inquisition having taken the suspected witch she is placed in the middle of a room upon a stool or table cross-legged or in some other uneasy posture to which if she submits not she is then bound with cords there she is watched and kept without meat or sleep for four-and-twenty hours for they say they shall within that time see her imp come and suck a little hole is likewise made in the door for the imps to come in at and lest they should come in some less discernible shape they that watch are taught to be ever and anon sweeping the room and if they see any spiders or flies to kill them and if they cannot kill them they may be sure they are their imps if torture of this kind was applied to the reverend mr lewis whose death is too slightly announced by mr baxter we can conceive him or any man to indeed become so weary of his life as to acknowledge that by means of his imps he sunk a vessel without any purpose of gratification to be procured to himself by such iniquity but in another cause a judge would have demanded some proof of the corpus delecti some evidence of a vessel being lost at the period whence coming and whither bound in short something to establish that the whole story was not the idle imagination of a man who might have been entirely deranged and certainly was so at the time he made the admission john lewis was presented to the vicarage of brandiston near framlington in suffolk 
sixth may fifteen ninety six where he lived about fifty years till executed as a wizard on such evidence as we have seen notwithstanding the story of his alleged confession he defended himself courageously at his trial and was probably condemned rather as a royalist and malignant than for any other cause he showed at the execution considerable energy and to secure that the funeral service of the church should be said over his body he read it aloud for himself while on the road to the gibbet we have seen that in sixteen forty seven hopkins's tone became lowered and he began to disavow some of the cruelties he had formerly practised about the same time a miserable old woman had fallen into the cruel hands of this miscreant near hoxney a village in suffolk and had confessed all the usual enormities after being without food or rest a sufficient time her imp she said was called nan a gentleman in the neighbourhood whose widow survived to authenticate the story was so indignant that he went to the house took the woman out of such inhuman hands dismissed the witch-finders and after due food and rest the poor old woman could recollect nothing of the confession but that she gave a favourite pullet the name of nan for this dr hutchinson may be referred to who quotes a letter from the relict of the humane gentleman in the year sixteen forty five a commission of parliament was sent down comprehending two clergymen in esteem with the leading party one of whom mr fairclough of keller preached before the rest on the subject of witchcraft and after this appearance of enquiry the inquisitions and executions went on as before but the popular indignation was so strongly excited against hopkins that some gentlemen seized on him and put him to his own favourite experiment of swimming on which as he happened to float he stood convicted of witchcraft and so the country was rid of him whether he was drowned outright or not does not exactly appear but he has had the honour to be commemorated by the author of hudibras hath not this present parliament a leaguer to the devil sent fully empowered to treat about finding revolted witches out and has he not within a year hanged three score of them in one shire some only for not being drowned and some for sitting above ground whole days and nights upon their breeches and feeling pain were hanged for witches and some for putting knavish tricks upon green geese or turkey chicks or pigs that suddenly deceased of griefs unnatural as he guessed who proved himself at length a witch and made a rod for his own breech the understanding reader will easily conceive that this alteration of the current in favour of those who disapproved of witch prosecutions must have received encouragement from some quarter of weight and influence yet it may sound strangely enough that this spirit of lenity should have been the result of the peculiar principles of those sectarians of all denominations classed in general as independents who though they had originally courted the presbyterians as the more numerous and prevailing party had at length shaken themselves loose of that connection and finally combated with and overcome them the independents were distinguished by the wildest license in their religious tenets mixed with much that was nonsensical and mystical they disowned even the title of a regular clergy 
and allowed the preaching of any one who could draw together a congregation that would support him or who was willing without recompense to minister to the spiritual necessities of his hearers although such laxity of discipline afforded scope to the wildest enthusiasm and room for all possible varieties of doctrine it had on the other hand this inestimable recommendation that it contributed to a degree of general toleration which was at that time unknown to any other christian establishment the very genius of a religion which admitted of the subdivision of sects ad infinitum excluded a legal prosecution of any one of these for heresy or apostasy if there had even existed a sect of manichaeans who made it their practice to adore the evil principle it may be doubted whether the other sectaries would have accounted them absolute outcasts from the pale of the church and fortunately the same sentiment induced them to regard with horror the prosecutions against witchcraft thus the independents when under cromwell they attained a supremacy over the presbyterians who to a certain point had been their allies were disposed to counteract the violence of such proceedings under pretence of witchcraft as had been driven forward by the wretched hopkins in essex norfolk and suffolk for three or four years previous to sixteen forty seven the return of charles the second to his crown and kingdom served in some measure to restrain the general and wholesale manner in which the laws against witchcraft had been administered during the warmth of the civil war the statute of the first of king james nevertheless yet subsisted nor is it in the least likely considering the character of the prince that he to save the lives of a few old men or women would have run the risk of incurring the odium of encouraging or sparing a crime still held in horror by a great part of his subjects the statute however was generally administered by wise and skilful judges and the accused had such a chance of escape as the rigour of the absurd law permitted nonsense it is too obvious remained in some cases predominant in the year sixteen sixty three an old dame named julian cox was convicted chiefly on the evidence of a huntsman who declared on his oath that he laid his greyhounds on a hare and coming up to the spot where he saw them mouth her there he found on the other side of a bush julian cox lying panting and breathless in such a manner as to convince him that she had been the creature which afforded him the course the unhappy woman was executed on this evidence two years afterwards sixteen sixty four it is with regret we must quote the venerable and devout sir matthew hales as presiding at a trial in consequence of which amy dunny and rose calendar were hanged at st edmondsbury but no man unless very peculiarly circumstanced can extricate himself from the prejudices of his nation and age the evidence against the accused was laid first on the effect of spells used by ignorant persons to counteract the supposed witchcraft the use of which was under the statute of james i as criminal as the act of sorcery which such counter-charms were meant to neutralize secondly the two old women refused even the privilege of purchasing some herrings having expressed themselves with angry impatience a child of the herring merchant fell ill in consequence thirdly a cart was driven against the miserable cottage of amy dunny she scolded of course and shortly after the cart 
what a good driver will scarce comprehend stuck fast in a gate where its wheels touched neither of the posts and yet was moved easily forward on one of the posts by which it was not impeded being cut down fourthly one of the afflicted girls being closely muffled went suddenly into a fit upon being touched by one of the supposed witches but upon another trial it was found that the person so blindfolded fell into the same rage at the touch of an unsuspected person what perhaps sealed the fate of the accused was the evidence of the celebrated sir thomas brown that the fits were natural but heightened by the power of the devil cooperating with the malice of witches a strange opinion certainly from the author of a treatise on vulgar errors but the torch of science was now fairly lighted and gleamed in more than one kingdom of the world shooting its rays on every side and catching at all means which were calculated to increase the illumination the royal society which had taken its rise at oxford from a private association who met in dr wilkins's chambers about the year sixteen fifty two was the year after the restoration incorporated by royal charter and began to publish their transactions and give a new and more rational character to the pursuits of philosophy in france where the mere will of the government could accomplish greater changes the consequence of an enlarged spirit of scientific discovery was that a decisive stop was put to the witch prosecutions which had heretofore been as common in that kingdom as in england about the year sixteen seventy two there was a general arrest of very many shepherds and others in normandy and the parliament of rowan prepared to proceed in the investigation with the usual severity but an order or errant from the king louis the fourteenth with advice of his council commanding all these unfortunate persons to be set at liberty and protected had the most salutary effect over all the kingdom the french academy of sciences was also founded and in imitation a society of learned germans established a similar institution at leipzig prejudices however old were overawed and controlled much was accounted for on natural principles that had hitherto been imputed to spiritual agency everything seemed to promise that farther access to the secrets of nature might be opened to those who should prosecute their studies experimentally and by analysis and the mass of ancient opinions which overwhelmed the dark subject of which we treat began to be derided and rejected by men of sense and education in many cases the prey was now snatched from the spoiler a pragmatical justice of peace in somersetshire commenced a course of enquiry after offenders against the statute of james i and had he been allowed to proceed mr hunt might have gained a name as renowned for witch-finding as that of mr hopkins but his researches were stopped from higher authority the lives of the poor people arrested twelve in number were saved and the country remained at quiet though the supposed witches were suffered to live the examinations attest some curious particulars which may be found in seducimus triumphatus for among the usual string of froward fanciful or as they were called afflicted children brought forward to club their startings starings and screamings there appeared also certain remarkable confessions of the accused from which we learn that the somerset satan enlisted his witches like a wily recruiting sergeant with one shilling in hand and twelve in promises that when the party of weird sisters passed to the witch-meeting they used the magic words thou tout throughout and about 
and that when they departed they exclaimed rentum tormentum we are further informed that his infernal highness on his departure leaves a smell and that in nursery-maid's phrase not a pretty one behind him concerning this fact we have a curious exposition by mr glanville this according to that respectable authority seems to imply the reality of the business those ascititious particles which he held together in his sensible shape being loosened at the vanishing and so offending the nostrils by their floating and diffusing themselves in the open air how much are we bound to regret that mr justice hunt's discovery of this hellish kind of witches in itself so clear and plain and containing such valuable information should have been smothered by meeting with opposition and discouragement from some then in authority lord keeper guildford was also a stifler of the proceedings against witches indeed we may generally remark during the latter part of the seventeenth century that where the judges were men of education and courage sharing in the information of the times they were careful to check the precipitate ignorance and prejudice of the juries by giving them a more precise idea of the indifferent value of confessions by the accused themselves and of testimony derived from the pretended visions of those supposed to be bewitched where on the contrary judges shared with the vulgar in their ideas of such fascination or were contented to leave the evidence with the jury fearful to withstand the general cry too common on such occasions a verdict of guilty often followed we are informed by roger north that a case of this kind happened at the assizes in exeter where his brother the lord chief justice did not interfere with the crown trials and the other judge left for execution a poor old woman condemned as usual on her own confession and on the testimony of a neighbour who deponed that he saw a cat jump into the accused person's cottage window at twilight one evening and that he verily believed the said cat to be the devil on which precious testimony the poor wretch was accordingly hanged on another occasion about the same time the passions of the great and little vulgar were so much excited by the acquittal of an aged village dame whom the judge had taken some pains to rescue that sir john long a man of rank and fortune came to the judge in the greatest perplexity requesting that the hag might not be permitted to return to her miserable cottage on his estates since all his tenants had in that case threatened to leave him in compassion to a gentleman who apprehended ruin from a cause so whimsical the dangerous old woman was appointed to be kept by the town where she was acquitted at the rate of half a crown a week paid by the parish to which she belonged but behold in the period betwixt the two assizes sir john long and his farmers had mustered courage enough to petition that this witch should be sent back to them in all her terrors because they could support her among them at a shilling a week cheaper than they were obliged to pay to the town for her maintenance in a subsequent trial before lord chief justice north himself that judge detected one of those practices which it is to be feared were too common at the time when witnesses found their advantage in feigning themselves bewitched a woman supposed to be the victim of the male sorcerer at the bar vomited pins in quantities and those straight differing from the crooked pins usually produced at such times and less easily concealed in the mouth the judge however 
discovered by cross-examining a candid witness that in counterfeiting her fits of convulsion the woman sunk her head on her breast so as to take up with her lips the pins which she had already placed in her stomacher the man was acquitted of course a frightful old hag who was present distinguished herself so much by her benedictions on the judge that he asked the cause of the peculiar interest which she took in the acquittal twenty years ago said the poor woman they would have hanged me for a witch but could not and now but for your lordship they would have murdered my innocent son such scenes happened frequently on the assizes while country gentlemen like the excellent sir roger de coverley retained a private share in the terror with which their tenants servants and retainers regarded some old mall white who put the hounds at fault and ravaged the fields with hail and hurricanes sir john reresby after an account of a poor woman tried for a witch at york in sixteen eighty six and acquitted as he thought very properly proceeds to tell us that notwithstanding the sentinel upon the jail where she was confined avowed that he saw a scroll of paper from under the prison door and then change itself first into a monkey and then into a turkey which the underkeeper confirmed this says sir john i have heard from the mouth of both and now leave it to be believed or disbelieved as the reader may be inclined we may see that reresby a statesman and a soldier had not as yet plucked the old woman out of his heart even addison himself ventured no farther in his incredulity respecting this crime than to contend that although witchcraft might and did exist there was no such thing as a modern instance completely proved as late as sixteen eighty two three unhappy women named susan edwards mary trumbles and temperance lloyd were hanged at exeter for witchcraft and as usual on their own confession this is believed to be the last execution of the kind in england under form of judicial sentence but the ancient superstition so interesting to vulgar credulity like sediment clearing itself from water sunk down in a deeper shade upon the ignorant and lowest classes of society in proportion as the higher regions were purified from its influence the populace including the ignorant of every class were more enraged against witches when their passions were once excited in proportion to the lenity exercised towards the objects of their indignation by those who administered the laws several cases occurred in which the mob impressed with a conviction of the guilt of some destitute old creatures took the law into their own hands and proceeding upon such evidence as hopkins would have had recourse to at once in their own apprehension ascertained their criminality and administered the deserved punishment the following instance of such illegal and inhuman proceedings occurred at oakley near bedford on twelfth july seventeen o seven there was one woman upwards of sixty years of age who being under an imputation of witchcraft was desirous to escape from so foul a suspicion and to conciliate the good-will of her neighbours by allowing them to duck her the parish officers so far consented to their human experiment as to promise the poor woman a guinea if she should clear herself by sinking the unfortunate object was tied up in a wet sheet her thumbs and great toes were bound together her cap torn off and all her apparel searched for pins for there is an idea that a single pin spoils the operation of the charm she was then dragged through the river ouse by a rope tied round her middle unhappily for the poor woman 
her body floated though her head remained under water the experiment was made three times with the same effect the cry to hang or drown the witch then became general and as she lay half dead on the bank they loaded the wretch with reproaches and hardly forbore blows a single humane bystander took her part and exposed himself to rough usage for doing so luckily one of the mob themselves at length suggested the additional experiment of weighing the witch against the church bible the friend of humanity caught at this means of escape supporting the proposal by the staggering argument that the scripture being the work of god himself must outweigh necessarily all the operations or vassals of the devil the reasoning was received as conclusive the more readily as it promised a new species of amusement the woman was then weighed against a church bible of twelve pounds jockey weight and as she was considerably preponderant was dismissed with honour but many of the mob counted her acquittal irregular and would have had the poor dame drowned or hanged on the result of her ducking as the more authentic species of trial at length a similar piece of inhumanity which had a very different conclusion led to the final abolition of the statute of james i as affording countenance for such brutal proceedings an aged pauper named osborne and his wife who resided near tring in staffordshire fell under the suspicion of the mob on account of supposed witchcraft the overseers of the poor understanding that the rabble entertained a purpose of swimming these infirm creatures which indeed they had expressed in a sort of proclamation endeavoured to oppose their purpose by securing the unhappy couple in the vestry room which they barricaded they were unable however to protect them in the manner they intended the mob forced the door seized the accused and with ineffable brutality continued dragging the wretches through a pool of water till the woman lost her life a brute in human form who had superintended the murder went among the spectators and requested money for the sport he had shown them the life of the other victim was with great difficulty saved three men were tried for their share in this inhuman action only one of them named colley was condemned and hanged when he came to execution the rabble instead of crowding round the gallows as usual stood at a distance and abused those who were putting to death they said an honest fellow for ridding the parish of an accursed witch this abominable murder was committed july thirty seventeen fifty one the repetition of such horrors the proneness of the people to so cruel and heart-searing a superstition was traced by the legislature to its source namely the yet unabolished statute of james i accordingly by the ninth george the second cap five that odious law so long the object of horror to all ancient and poverty-stricken females in the kingdom was abrogated and all criminal procedure on the subject of sorcery or witchcraft discharged in future throughout great britain reserving for such as should pretend to the skill of fortune-tellers discoverers of stolen goods or the like the punishment of the correction-house as due to rogues and vagabonds since that period witchcraft has been little heard of in england and although the belief in its existence has in remote places survived the law that recognized the evidence of the crime and assigned its punishment yet such faith is gradually becoming forgotten since the rabble have been deprived of all pretext to awaken it by their own riotous proceedings some rare instances have occurred of similar 
attempts to that for which colley suffered and i observe one is preserved in that curious register of knowledge mr hone's popular amusements from which it appears that as late as the end of last century this brutality was practised though happily without loss of life the irish statute against witchcraft still exists as it would seem nothing occurred in that kingdom which recommended its being formally annulled but it is considered as obsolete and should so wild a thing be attempted in the present day no procedure it is certain would now be permitted to lie upon it if anything were wanted to confirm the general proposition that the epidemic terror of witchcraft increases and becomes general in proportion to the increase of prosecutions against witches it would be sufficient to quote certain extraordinary occurrences in new england only a brief account can be here given of the dreadful hallucination under which the colonists of that province were for a time deluded and oppressed by a strange contagious terror and how suddenly and singularly it was cured even by its own excess but it is too strong evidence of the imaginary character of this hideous disorder to be altogether suppressed new england as is well known was peopled mainly by emigrants who had been disgusted with the government of charles i in church and state previous to the great civil war many of the more wealthy settlers were presbyterians and calvinists others fewer in number and less influential from their fortune were quakers anabaptists or members of the other sects who were included under the general name of independents the calvinists brought with them the same zeal for religion and strict morality which everywhere distinguished them unfortunately they were not wise according to their zeal but entertained a proneness to believe in supernatural and direct personal intercourse between the devil and his vassals an error to which as we have endeavoured to show their brethren in europe had from the beginning been peculiarly subject in a country imperfectly cultivated and where the partially improved spots were embosomed in inaccessible forests inhabited by numerous tribes of savages it was natural that a disposition to superstition should rather gain than lose ground and that to other dangers and horrors with which they were surrounded the colonists should have added fears of the devil not merely as the evil principle tempting human nature to sin and thus endangering our salvation but as combined with sorcerers and witches to inflict death and torture upon children and others the first case which i observe was that of four children of a person called john goodwin a mason the eldest a girl had quarrelled with the laundress of the family about some linen which was a missing the mother of the laundress an ignorant testy and choleric old irishwoman scolded the accuser and shortly after the elder goodwin her sister and two brothers were seized with such strange diseases that all their neighbors concluded they were bewitched they conducted themselves as those supposed to suffer under maladies created by such influence were accustomed to do they stiffened their necks so hard at one time that the joints could not be moved at another their necks were so flexible and supple that it seemed the bone was dissolved they had violent convulsions in which their jaws snapped with the force of a spring-trap set for vermin their limbs were curiously contorted and to those who had a taste for the marvellous seemed entirely dislocated and displaced amid these distortions they cried out against the poor old woman whose name was glover alleging that she was in presence with them adding to their torments the miserable irishwoman 
who hardly could speak the english language repeated her paternoster and ava maria like a good catholic but there were some words which she had forgotten she was therefore supposed to be unable to pronounce the whole consistently and correctly and condemned and executed accordingly but the children of goodwin found the trade they were engaged in to be too profitable to be laid aside and the eldest in particular continued all the external signs of witchcraft and possession some of these were excellently calculated to flatter the self-opinion and prejudices of the calvinist ministers by whom she was attended and accordingly bear in their very front the character of studied and voluntary imposture the young woman acting as was supposed under the influence of the devil read a quaker treatise with ease and apparent satisfaction but a book written against the poor inoffensive friends the devil would not allow his victim to touch she could look on a church of england prayer-book and read the portions of scripture which it contains without difficulty or impediment but the spirit which possessed her threw her into fits if she attempted to read the same scriptures from the bible as if the awe which it is supposed the fiends entertained for holy writ depended not on the meaning of the words but the arrangement of the page and the type in which they were printed this singular species of flattery was designed to captivate the clergyman through his professional opinions others were more strictly personal the afflicted damsel seems to have been somewhat of the humour of the enamorata of monsieur's smack pluck catch and company and had like her merry as well as melancholy fits she often imagined that her attendant spirits brought her a handsome pony to ride off with them to their rendezvous on such occasions she made a spring upwards as if to mount her horse and then still seated on her chair mimicked with dexterity and agility the motions of the animal pacing trotting and galloping like a child on the nurse's knee but when she cantered in this manner upstairs she affected inability to enter the clergyman's study and when she was pulled into it by force used to become quite well and stand up as a rational being reasons were given for this says the simple minister that seemed more kind than true shortly after this she appears to have treated the poor divine with a species of sweetness and attention which gave him greater embarrassment than her former violence she used to break in upon him at his studies to importune him to come downstairs and thus advantaged doubtless the kingdom of satan by the interruption of his pursuits at length the good ones were or appeared to be cured but the example had been given and caught and the blood of poor dame glover which had been the introduction to this tale of a hobby-horse was to be the forerunner of new atrocities and fearfully more general follies this scene opened the illness of two girls a daughter and niece of mr parvis the minister of salem who fell under an affliction similar to that of the goodwins their mouths were stopped their throats choked their limbs racked thorns were stuck into their flesh and pins were ejected from their stomachs an indian and his wife servants of the family endeavouring by some spell of their own to discover by whom the fatal charm had been imposed on their master's children drew themselves under suspicion and were hanged the judges and juries persevered encouraged by the discovery of these poor indians guilt and hoping they might thus expel from the colony the authors of such practices they acted says mather 
the historian under a conscientious wish to do justly but the cases of witchcraft and possession increased as if they were transmitted by contagion and the same sort of spectral evidence being received which had occasioned the condemnation of the indian woman titu became generally fatal the afflicted persons failed not to see the spectres as they were termed of the persons by whom they were tormented against this species of evidence no alibi could be offered because it was admitted as we have said elsewhere that the real persons of the accused were not there present and everything rested upon the assumption that the afflicted persons were telling the truth since their evidence could not be read argued these spectres were generally represented as offering their victims a book on signing which they would be freed from their torments sometimes the devil appeared in person and added his own eloquence to move the afflicted persons to consent at first as seems natural enough the poor and miserable alone were involved but presently when such evidence was admitted as incontrovertible the afflicted began to see the spectral appearances of persons of higher condition and of irreproachable lives some of whom were arrested some made their escape while several were executed the more that suffered the greater became the number of afflicted persons and the wider and the more numerous were the denunciations against supposed witches the accused were of all ages a child of five years old was indicted by some of the afflicted who imagined they saw this juvenile wizard active in tormenting them and appealed to the mark of little teeth on their bodies where they stated it had bitten them a poor dog was also hanged as having been alleged to be busy in this infernal persecution these gross insults on common reason occasioned a revulsion in public feeling but not till many lives had been sacrificed by this means nineteen men and women were executed besides a stout-hearted man named corey who refused to plead and was accordingly pressed to death according to the old law on this horrible occasion a circumstance took place disgusting to humanity which must yet be told to show how superstition can steel the heart of a man against the misery of his fellow-creature the dying man in the mortal agony thrust out his tongue which the sheriff crammed with his cane back again into his mouth eight persons were condemned besides those who had actually suffered and no less than two hundred were in prison and under examination men began then to ask whether the devil might not artfully deceive the afflicted into the accusation of good and innocent persons by presenting witches and fiends in the resemblance of blameless persons as engaged in the tormenting of their diseased country folk this argument was by no means inconsistent with the belief in witchcraft and was the more readily listened to on that account besides men found that no rank or condition could save them from the danger of this horrible accusation if they continued to encourage the witnesses in such an unlimited course as had hitherto been granted to them influenced by these reflections the settlers awoke as from a dream and the voice of the public which had so lately demanded vengeance on all who were suspected of sorcery began now on the other hand to lament the effusion of blood under the strong suspicion that part of it at least had been innocently and unjustly sacrificed in mather's own language which we use as that of a man deeply convinced of the reality of the crime experience showed that the more were apprehended the more were still afflicted by satan and the number of confessions increasing 
did but increase the number of the accused and the execution of some made way to the apprehension of others for still the afflicted complained of being tormented by new objects as the former were removed so that some of those that were concerned grew amazed at the number and condition of those that were accused and feared that satan by his wiles had enwrapped innocent persons under the imputation of that crime and at last was evidently seen there must be a stop put or the generation of the kingdom of god would fall under condemnation the prosecutions were therefore suddenly stopped the prisoners dismissed the condemned pardoned and even those who had confessed the number of whom was very extraordinary were pardoned amongst others and the author we have just quoted thus records the result when this prosecution ceased the lord so chained up satan that the afflicted grew presently well the accused were generally quiet and for five years there was no such molestation among us to this it must be added that the congregation of salem compelled mr parvis in whose family the disturbance had begun and who they alleged was the person by whom it was most fiercely driven on in the commencement to leave his settlement amongst them such of the accused as had confessed the acts of witchcraft imputed to them generally denied and retracted their confessions asserting them to have been made under fear of torture influence of persuasion or other circumstances exclusive of their free will several of the judges and jurors concerned in the sentence of those who were executed published their penitence for their rashness in convicting these unfortunate persons and one of the judges a man of the most importance in the colony observed during the rest of his life the anniversary of the first execution as a day of solemn fast and humiliation for his own share in the transaction even the barbarous indians were struck with wonder at the infatuation of the english colonists on this occasion and drew disadvantageous comparisons between them and the french among whom as they remarked the great spirit sends no witches the system of witchcraft as believed in scotland must next claim our attention as it is different in some respects from that of england and subsisted to a later period and was prosecuted with much more severity End of letter eight part two